Welcome back to another edition of the Profit Roadmap. I'm Bear Duplessis alongside Cody Owen. And hey, guys. Yes. We're, I just like to break Bear's rhythm every, <laughs> every single time, man. <laughs> yes, we're here. And uh, so excited to uh, welcome back uh, another fan favorite here uh, to our podcast uh, here, a uh, featured speaker at SA6, uh, featured speaker at uh, pretty much every other conference we've had. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're pleased to have uh, Jason Cup. Joining us today. Jason, how are you doing today? I am awesome, man. Thank you. Good to be with you guys again, talking about stuff that's very near and dear to my business heart. So, Jason, you're, you're, there are a lot of things to that extensive resume of yours. Of course, the, one of the most infamous is the, the fact that you're a Colby certified growth consultant, and uh, but you you consult on a lot of different areas of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you spent some time with uh, with our Academy Elite members earlier this year. Uh, in 2019, talking about the financials of small business. I kind of said this before we got on air. Financials, even though it's not a four-letter word, it's kind of the dirty four-letter word of every business owner because mm-hmm. it's things that people want to don't want to think about. Why do people not want to think about the thing that makes their business grow? Well, I, I so number one, I do think that it is a little bit of a dirty four-letter word in terms of small business owners. And I think the reason why they, they don't want to talk about it, they don't want to – it, it – it, admit that it's a topic of discussion is because they're so busy and awesomely busy doing the work, like setting up the work and scheduling the work and making sure the work gets done, making sure the work out in the field is being done with a high quality to it, that it's almost like, I don't want to mess around with that stuff in the office. I don't want to mess around with the financials. I don't want to face the reality if I'm making money or not making money or I'm borrowing the wrong kind of money or borrowing the right kind of money. And so they just, they're on their, I mean, I guess their foot on the accelerator in production and in operations. And, um, and they don't want to, they don't want to face the reality of what's going on in their business financially. I think that that's, uh, I mean, that's a really great way to sum it up. I, I, I think fear is something that uh, is kind of, uh, we were talk- I was talking to someone else about buzzwords earlier, but I think fear is one of those buzzwords that kind of gets thrown around. But I, I just don't understand how a room of so many confident individuals who have my admiration for mm-hmm. starting and building a successful business mm-hmm. have such irrational, but it seems like innate fears when it comes to operating their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, to tie it back to financial specifically, Jason, what um, you know, where, is it is it a fear of not making money? Is it a fear that they're losing money? What what is the number one fear when it comes to finances within your business? Well, I, I probably put it into two different buckets. You've got one business owner um, that, that that knows that maybe something isn't going right financially, and they just don't want to admit it. You know, so it's almost like an about face of not wanting to deal with it. And then the other business owner actually is you know running a great successful company, and so they feel like that their financial performance is um, is acceptable and it's okay. And the truth is, is that any, I mean, there's not one company that I have ever looked at financially. Even the most successful companies that are out there that we haven't been able to find 1% of efficiency or 2% of efficiency, the crazy part when we sit and think about that, I mean, so 1% or 2% seems like a small amount of, of percentage, but when you're, I mean, there's a lot of people that that are, you know, they're using service autopilot or in this industry, they're doing a million dollars a year in business. Think about it. Mm-hmm. What's two percent of a million bucks? Twenty grand. And you know, the question that I ask when I'm talking about finances, does anybody in the room want an extra twenty grand in their <laughs> bank account? And the answer is always yes. Um, you know, it's even a thousand dollars. I mean, obviously, that's a lot of money. And so the reality is, is that when you can print an additional efficiency or understanding a place that you're overspending. 
and it's unnecessary for business, and you can find that one or two or three, or sometimes it's 10, 12, 15%, quite honestly, mm-hmm. then that's real tangible dollars that get returned back into the business for reinvestment, pay down a debt, um, giving your employees raises, uh, providing the, you know, the owner uh, with uh, well-earned distributions and dividends and, and, and profit. So it's, it's pretty exciting when you get people wrapped around it. So, you know, there's really two kind of two people, crisis and not crisis, I guess. Could we talk about some of the most common ways that you see mm. business owners overspending? Oh, absolutely. So um, <clears throat> in the overspending one of the first places that I always look, and I won't be able to unpack it because it's a little bit too complex, but I'll give you the bucket at least. One of the most uh, common places that I see overspending actually is in uh, insurance. So most people that are in service industry, they've got ah, usually four, man after my old heart. <laughs> um, four different um, types of insurance they have in their business. They've got a general liability policy. They usually have a what's called a BOP, a business owner's policy. They've got a work comp policy and they've got an auto policy. Um, there could be additional policies like umbrellas and different types of things like that. Um, but the reality is, is that most small business owners don't know how to read an insurance policy. And most of the time I can find by analysis of the, the, the documents of the insurance plan, I can find money that's being paid erroneously to the insurance company, uh, either because it was an oversight, bad broker, poor information, whatever it might be. But I can usually always find some money in an insurance policy. So that's 100%. one percent. I mean, seriously, it's unbelievable to me um, how. And I'm not saying that there's an ethical issue with the broker, but sometimes the broker has misinformation. Yeah. And so they, they and it's, it's complex. Like I said, we, we couldn't even unpack that in the rest of the time that we have available to us because I've done entire talks on how to, you know, power through yeah. insurance policies. Um, another area would be anything that's contractual. So it's going to seem weird. Some of these I'm going to say like cell phones or leases on phone equipment um, or, um, or actually like this is going to seem weird. Your trash refuse company the company oh, that comes yeah. and picks up your, your trash. Mm-hmm. Um, those are very competitive businesses and they will compete earnestly against one another to earn your business. So I can usually go in and break an agreement for the benefit of a much lesser cost. Um, so there's all kinds of places that you can go and, and, and find and, and, and find money. I can sometimes even find money. Um, and it sounds weird also, like if uh, the if the business owner is leasing vehicles or leasing equipment, if you do an analysis of a lease and you realize that you're ahead of the lease, you can oftentimes buy the piece of equipment out of the lease and save a lot of money in what's called money factor. It's what you, it's like the equi- equivalent of an interest rate um, in a lease. So there's just all kinds of different places. And most business owners, again, they've got the foot on the accelerator every single day. They're just yeah. jamming down the highway and they're not paying attention. They're like, oh, I need work comp. Okay, yeah, let me sign that policy. Oh, I need to lease a new copier. Okay, let me you know, lease a new, um, people don't have copiers. Some people have copiers, but you know, they're, <laughs> but they think through this. And so they just, they, they solve the problem but they don't put a financial metric behind it. Yeah. And it's hard to keep track of all of that and and always make the the right decision. Sometimes you need somebody to come back clean up and that's where getting a consultant to come in and do like an audit like this would would be beneficial. Or just fresh eyes in general, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. Well, yeah, I think it is. And I, and I think it's also, you know, having having somebody who, you know, who, who understands that or has, you know, ferreted through the different things that mm-hmm. are often overcharged um, amounts and, and, and to have 
have, have somebody with that expertise. You know, I mean, the reality is, is that most small business owners, they're really awesome at running their business, but they didn't go to school for finance or to understand bookkeeping or accounting or taxes or anything like that. And so to link up with, you know, a good bookkeeper or a good CPA, um, or like you said, a consultant or something like that, to be able to really understand um, the, the things that are in that financial statement. I mean, some people I talk to, they don't even know what a financial statement is, which I understand. There was many years I was running my landscape company. I didn't know what a financial statement was, mm-hmm. even though I took some accounting in high school and I had like the, the base knowledge, but it, it really wasn't until I started using them on a regular basis and understanding what those percentages were and metrics and how to read them that it really became real to me. It's really, I mean, that's, that's, it seems like such a when you when you kind of break it down, it seems so simplistic to look again to look at your financials, um, and because it, again, it's what your business uh, it's, it's it's how your business exists. But when uh, when you look at overspending in particular, where let's kind of flip that page that flip that around here, Jason. Where are people not spending the money correctly in the right places? That uh, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, so my experience is is that. Um, People are not spending – it's not that they're spending money in the wrong place. It's that they're spending money in in the strategic wrong um, time order. You know, so, that, so they don't have a strategy behind the way that they're trying to grow their business, and they don't know where they should go spend their money first. Most business owners um, get really excited about client acquisition. They want to acquire more clients. They believe that that's a tenant to growth. They also believe that if they maybe having tight cash flow or not as much profit, that acquiring more clients is going to solve that problem. That's not true. In fact, there's a a, a very um, uh, w- w- well listened to um, consultant, author, person who you know they say the solution to every business problem is to acquire more clients. I fundamentally and vehemently disagree with that statement because if your business is broken and you go spend money on client acquisition, your business is going to become more broken. Yeah. New mm. revenue is not going to fix a business that's not profitable. It really isn't because there's Problems something else. Problems and successes are going to be magnified. Absolutely. Scale. Yeah, you're exactly correct. And so I always tell, in fact, I was just talking to you know somebody that was here at SA6 right before we went live <clears throat> out after lunch. And he was sharing with me, you know, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm, I mean, this is what's going on in my business. You know, where, where do I need to go focus first? And I said, you need to go figure out your finances before you ever start building your team or go building your clientele. So I find that people are spending money on client acquisition at the wrong time. Now, I'm also very growth oriented and I love growing businesses and I get super jazzed and super excited working with entrepreneurs who want to grow their business. Um, but I want to make sure that they're going to grow a healthy business and a successful business and a profitable business. And I know that every, I mean, Jonathan clearly wants that for everybody. And he has really, over the last couple of years of us talking, really began to understand that the foundation and fundamentals on that is a financial, is a financial footing to make sure that people have a good financial footing to be able to jump off on, then go throw the kitchen sink client acquisition. And then Mm -hmm. rather than um, duplicating things that are not successful, you're going to be duplicating things that are successful. Um, So that's that's one thing. I will also say that um, that I I think that a a place that people um, overspend is is not necessarily a a specific place on the chart of accounts or a specific thing. But I have this ideology that I teach to people um, uh, a lot of times through Academy or up on stage here at Service Autopilot events, well, that that do you chase revenue with expense? So if you have revenue, do you go and 
build up the expense to go chase it, to go get it, or do you build up expense and then chase it with revenue? What a lot of people do is they build up expense. So they rent a building, they hire staff, they buy a bunch of trucks, um, they build up all this expense and they're like, oh my gosh, I've got all this overhead. Now I got to pay for it. We got to go get clients. That might be a little bit misaligned, okay? But if you build up revenue and, and, and you get the clients, it's real easy to go buy a truck. It's, it's not as easy today to go hire people, but we can hire people pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so the idea would be is that you're in tandem with one another, that you're building up expense and revenue at the same time rather than building up a lot of expense. I know business owners that have awesome minds, brilliant people, amazing brand, awesome product, they built up way too much expense, way too fast, and it's caused some irreparable harm on their business because they couldn't service the expense and they couldn't acquire the clients fast enough, became desperation, then they became fearful, and then it became very, very, very tragic for them or their business. Mm-hmm. Is Have you run into a situation where some of these changes, like obvious, this question seems very obvious. Of course, there have been, as you, you used the word a moment ago, irreplaceable or irreconcilable uh, errors that damage the business. But have you ever run into a, a financial situation that may seem more dire than it really is and can be recoverable? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes. And, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I oftentimes don't think in that regard. So the thing that I've recognized is that, um, and this might be a long winded answer to that, but it has merit. So most business owners that start a company, they obviously have incredibly strong pride in the fact that they started a company, became an entrepreneur, built something up from nothing, went from zero to something, zero to 100,000, zero to 200,000, zero to a million. So they have incredible pride in the growth of that. I almost equal it to the, the raising of a child. You know, they mm-hmm. look at, at you know, nurturing a business along the way and getting it to a point. When things get tough, it's very difficult to admit that, that there's something that's not right. So they're, they're fearful of, of really making that decision. So to answer your question, <clears throat> it doesn't matter if you've got a tough employee or a difficult client or a massive financial issue. It all feels the same to that owner. It, it really does. So their issue to them is always a 10 on a scale of one to 10. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly stressful to them. And so I think that any business owner that I come into contact with that's got adversity in their business, they do escalate it to a 10, rightfully so, because it's their child, it's their baby, it's something that they've nurtured and that they've, they've built up. Mm-hmm. So most people that I start that conversation with, they're at a 10. And, and, and I can tell you that almost everyone, and I'll caveat the almost, almost everyone, we can get that back down to a zero. The m- most concerns and problems that people have in business, whether they're financial or otherwise, <clears throat> are a little bit of a figment of, it's not a figment of their own imagination, but they escalate it to a level that's higher than what it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually a service autopilot member that reached out to me uh, over the weekend, this past weekend, um, because they had had a lawsuit filed against them. And they were absolutely sleepless weekend, very very worried, very nervous, didn't know what to do, had never been sued before, didn't even know how to hire an attorney, um, luckily reached out to me. And I, as I learned more about what was going on, um, their insurance policy would have covered the defense. And I said, great, you need to just call your insurance broker, file a claim against the insurance company, and wipe your hands of this thing. And that's exactly what happened. I ran into that same member um, actually earlier today, and he said, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I didn't sleep all weekend long. I was so worried. So for him, it was a 10. When I heard what was going on, it went back down to about a one because I was like, okay, the next step is you got to call your broker. Understand what I mean? Sure, like, absolutely. Like that lawsuit seemed like, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to, I'm, I'm going to lose my company. 
On the financial end, and, and I said that I was going to explain the caveat, there are some some things that are um, that we just can't fix them, you know, and, and it's few and far between anymore, um, and, and usually, you know, those are those are rooted in massive amounts of debt, wrong types of debt, or or a problem with a regulatory agency, you know, like maybe you've made a mistake in HR, or maybe you haven't paid your taxes, or you know, maybe you've um, you, you've you've made an error along the way, and, and that error is going to be very costly. Yeah, uh, and so those are sometimes a little bit more difficult to navigate through the roadmap to to, to get them out of that. So on on that note of like most of these errors you can recover from Mm -hmm. uh what would like speak directly to the business owner who is that that archetype we were talking about earlier that is afraid Mm -hmm. and and doesn't want to look at their numbers because they're worried about a looming problem like convince them to do what they need to do well the first step that i i mean mean, and it, it seems so easy to say why we're you know sitting here recording a podcast um, it is that the, the first step to solving a problem is admitting that there is one. And I know it seems like like so elementary, but it's true. And, 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 and then once you can understand or you think or you realize that there's a problem, then you've, you've got to go and pick up the phone and reach out to someone who you trust and, um, and someone that you think might have the knowledge to be able to at least insert additional data into the problem to be able to resolve it. And so the, the thing that I realize is, is that if, if people are in a state of denial, they're going to continue to be a state in the, of denial, and, and the problem is just going to get worse. Yeah. And so one of the things, <clears throat> and it's so funny because I remember it, and we're na- now dating back six years. Um, you know, when I first met Jonathan, I remember talking to him about this concept that most business owners are afraid to reveal that they've got a challenge or an adversity in their business. And uh, and we sat there and we talked about that concept in theory for a long time and realized that if there was anything that we could ever do with business owners to get them to admit that there was something going on and then also give them the tools to try to fix it, that that would be a win. Yeah. You know, and 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 I think that you know, quite frankly, I definitely think that's been accomplished in Academy. I think at you know the Service Autopilot Members Conferences, that's been a, that's been having, and you know, on like the Facebook group and stuff. I love the fact that members and people in small business are actually sharing what's going on and seeking advice for it because that's the first step, and it's got to come from a trusting standpoint. I mean, you know, a lot of people don't want to just you know type into a computer, or get on the phone with somebody, and talk through it. And so I think that that admission that something's going on and and having the confidence and trust to pick up the phone and seek advice. Um, and there's there's hundreds of resources that are out there that can help people get through things, um, but they've got to at least start with one of those resources, and they've they've yeah. got to start by admitting that there's a problem because the problem's not going away. Yeah. It, it can just be that huge weight that comes off. I mean, just reassure, reassuring that it, it is a weight that comes off your shoulder once you just acknowledge that there's a problem or a potential for one. Absolutely. I mean, just just the the act of talking about it. Yeah. Just I mean, even if there's no solution. <laughs> the admission that something's going on and 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 having I've, I've been I've said for many 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 years the best communicator is a good listener and so sometimes just somebody listening to what somebody's concern is is begins to give them the tools of reconciliation to resolve it yeah Jason thank you so much yes for coming back on the profit roadmap you're very welcome I love yeah. it thank you well guys uh Normally, I would make fun of Cody here, so we'll just... (laughs)
You can make fun oh, of man, me. Oh man, this was a uh, this is a great episode. Yeah. It's good stuff. Good, fantastic stuff. So yeah, thank you, Bear's everyone. Speechless. Yeah, I really am. I just I don't know if you guys have. I mean, you've spent hours <laughs> listening to Bear. You know that him being rendered <laughs> speechless is not common. Uh, there, I made fun of you. We Perfect. did a good reversal. Sounds All right, guys, good. we will see you next time. See you next time. The music in this episode of the Prophet Road Mac was "Riptide" and "Summon the Rock" by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you want to check out. Kevin's music, it's some good stuff, and Compatech.com.